Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. So this is my yearly um, time in the pulpit. Herman you know, will share this with me once a year. Um, last year, I was able to uh, bring a word to you guys about legacy, whether you're a legacy starter, a legacy redeemer, or a legacy bearer. And hopefully that stuck with you and that resonates with you some. Today, um, I'm speaking to you as the spiritual mother of the church. This is not your typical Mother's Day sermon. Um, I just didn't think the Lord wanted me to do a typical Mother's Day. How many of you grew up with a mom that would lecture you? How many of you still have a mom that lectures you, regardless of age, right? Um, This is your lecture, okay? This is your lecture from your spiritual mom. Um, Let me, I want to embrace that role for you. Mother's Day is a day that can be bittersweet. There are several of you that have not had good examples of moms. There are several of you that have great examples of moms. And I just speak right now that this is a redemptive day for you guys, for those relationship with your mothers, that motherly figure that it's a redemptive day for you. Amen. As many of you know, um, I'm a retired teacher. Um, taught for <laughs> I survived. No. Um, I taught for over 30 years. So I've got a little experience teaching. Um, I've even had the pleasure of teaching some of you guys in here, some of you youth um, we survived, right, Gabriel, right, Ryan, David, we survived. Um, <clears throat> when they're training you on how to create a lesson, there's different theories out there. You can use multiple intelligence, teach like a butterfly. You've got this and that. The one that really resonated with me is by uh, Wiggins, and it's backwards design. You start with the end in mind. And you design your lessons and you scaffold and I'm using all these great teacher terms, right? And you design your lessons so that when your students leave, you know exactly what it is that you want them to know. Pretty simple, right? What is it that I want you guys to know today? Well, yeah, I want you to know who God is. And I want you to know how to access him. So with those two things in mind, what am I going to do? I'm going to scaffold. I'm going to start... At the end, bring you back to the beginning and take you to the end. It sounds very similar to what the Lord is doing with us. The end goal for him, his objective is what? Restoration of intimate relationship like he had in the garden. That's his goal for us. So if that's his goal, everything that happened from Genesis through Revelation is designed with that end in mind. Pretty simple, right? How many of you play um, games? Mindless phone games or really intense video games? Um, I have a young child who's 18. 
Um, he's obsessed with video games, right? I don't know which ones he plays, Call of Duty and stuff like that, right? Um, <clears throat> one of the things that they always give you when you're playing a video game is an objective, right? You know that in this level, this phase, you have to move this object from here in this amount of time, right? Or Candy Crush, you have to get X amount of colors of this candy or that candy. You have objectives, you know what you're going for, right? What happens when you're playing that? What happens to your focus? You become very intent, right? You're going to make sure that you're making the right moves to get to that goal. How about your vocabulary? Have you ever been around somebody who games so much and so hard that their vocabulary is talking this language that you know not of? Your vocabulary changes. Their mindset changes. It's almost an addiction, it's an obsession, right? <clears throat> Routines change. Okay, I gotta get X, Y, and done so I can go do this, right? The focus is on that, that objective, that game. Their environmental change. Levi has rearranged his room, I kid you not, four times, trying to find the optimal gaming environment. He's moved the desk from that one wall to the X. Then he's moved the bed, moved the bed frame out, moved the bed frame in, moved the bed frame out, moved a couple of chairs in, moved a couple of chairs out, put LED lights on, changed the color 14 times, bought, bought rugs and stuff. He's changed the environment he's in, right? He's also changed his associates, the people that he's associating with. He's looking for people that want to play that same game, that have that same objective, right? He's looking for like-minded people. Pretty simple, right? We do this. We do this unconsciously. So my question is, what if we lived a life focused on existing in an intimate relationship with God? What if we lived a life focused on existing in an intimate relationship of God? That should be our objective. That's our end game, is an intimate relationship with God. That's what we've been talking about with a passionate pursuit. We're passionate, passionate pursuers of God. Yes, no, maybe. Yes, that's what it is, right? So what is our objective? is not the pursuit. The pursuit is the process. The objective is the intimate relationship that results from that pursuit. So my question is, who are you pursuing? Who are you pursuing? Are you pursuing God? If you're not pursuing God, you're pursuing the world. That's pretty simple, straightforward. It's one or the other. I want you to pause for a second. I want to ask yourself, how would you change if that was your focus, if intimate relationship with God was your focus 24-7? How would you change? How will you become more focused? Will your vocabulary change? Will your mindset change? Will your routines change? What about your environment? What about the people you hang around with? Do you know who you are pursuing? Do you honestly know? 
The concept of chasing God or pursuing God is not new. It is in our spiritual DNA to have an intimate relationship with him. Our DNA is wired for intimate relationship with God. That's why when you're pursuing the world and you're looking for what you think is going to satisfy you, doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the God-shaped hole in your DNA. So in order to reach this goal, you need to know two things. You need to know who God is. He's the one we're pursuing. He's the one we're looking for a relationship with. And how do we get access to him? So I want to go through a list of the characteristics of God. These are not the names of God. Okay, there's a difference. My name is Tammy, but my characteristic is not Tammy. There's a difference. My title is mom. My characteristic is not mom. Difference, right? God is the great I am. He's Alpha Omega. He's the beginning and end. He is the Lord God Almighty. Those are his titles. I want to talk about his characteristics, his being. This is what sets him apart. Okay? He is the great I am. Exodus 3.14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now that in and of itself right there. For God to say, I am, period, end of story. There's no need for an adjective. There's no need for a descriptive clause for anything else. He says, I am. That is his completeness. That is his wholeness. That is him. What that tells me, is in those two words, he is everything that I need. So God can look to me and say, I am your provider. I am your help. I am your beloved. He is whatever I need in those two words. Pretty simple. He's also infinite. You know, there's no beginning and there's no end. Colossians 1.17 that he is before all things and in, and, and in him all things consist. He is also um, <clears throat> immutable. He is uh, never changing. Amen. Thank you, God, that you don't change. I, as a human, am fickle. I can change my mind in a heartbeat. Just ask Herman. I can decide, yep, I want to go eat here, but no, I really don't want to eat there. I want to eat over here. No, I really don't want to eat there, but let's go here. No, let's not do that. Hey, you want to go out and do something today? Sure, let's. No, I really don't want to do that. You know, I change my mind very easily. Malachi 3.6 says, for I'm the Lord. I do not change. Pretty, I love it when the Lord's clear, when there's no fluff, no flitter. He just says, I do not change. You can take that to the bank, right? He's perfectly complete. John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son to have life in himself. He's perfection. He completes himself. He is perfection. And this is why he was able to send his Son as the perfect sacrifice. There was no other sacrifice going to be good enough, no other sacrifice going to be perfect enough, no other sacrifice complete enough, except it come from him. And in himself, this is where it comes. He's wise. Romans 11:33 Of the depths of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out He is good And I pray that you've experienced this already Psalm 34:8 Oh taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him 
He is almighty. The Lord God will only do things that are consistent with himself. He does not go against what he says. Genesis 17:1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, said the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. He's faithful, he's unchanging, he's unwavering. Deuteronomy 7.9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for thousands of generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. There's your legacy there. He is holy. I don't want us to water this down. He is holy. He is holy. Revelation 8, the four, sorry, 4, 8, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This is the standard he set for us. Holiness. This is a standard that he set for us. And it's only obtainable through Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that more later. He is just. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For his ways are justice. He's a God of truth. And without injustice, righteous and upright is he. He is gracious. He is a lavish lover. He is gracious. Psalm 145.8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Which leads me to the next one. He's merciful. Infinitely unchanging, compassionate and kind. Romans 9, uh, 15 through 16. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. So then... If not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Mercy and justice are intertwined. A lot of us confuse justice for punishment. Mercy, compassion, these are all the Lord's characteristics. He is love, 1 John 4, 7, 8. Beloved, let us love one another for the love of God, <clears throat> for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you are struggling to care about your neighbor, your classmate, your workmate, you are struggling with love. God is love. <clears throat> He doesn't say love, you know, just these people over here. He loves everyone. He is glorious and beautiful. Psalm 27, 4, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I, that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Pretty simple so far, the characteristics of the Lord, right? It's nothing new. 
We know he's holy. We know he's merciful. We know he is love. We know he is just. Do we remember that he's omnipotent? That he is all-powerful? Psalm 33, 6. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord and the stars by the breath of his mouth. I believe that's one of the songs we sang. He breathes and galaxies are formed. Nothing is by mistake. He's purposeful. He is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Psalm 139.1, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. That tells me we can trust God. He already knows, and yet he loves me. He already knows how I'm feeling. He knows when I'm mad. He knows when I don't understand. But he's merciful. He is love. He is gracious. He's also omnipresent. He's always everywhere. He exists in the past, the present, and the future. Man thinks of time in a line. God is outside of that. He was there when you messed up. He's there in the middle of the fix-up, and he's there when you're recovering. He's, he was, he is, and will be. He's not going to abandon you. Revelation 4.8, this one I love, was quoted several times already. Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Jeremiah 23, 23-4 says, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? That tells me I can try, but I can't hide. I can try, but I can't hide. And the last one. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. God is in control. And this concept of sovereignty, to me, is the parental equivalent of, I told you so. Because I told you so. I don't know about y'all, but growing up, there were times when I would ask my parents for something or to go do something. They would tell me no, and I'd say why, and they'd say, because I said so. That's the sovereignty of God. I can question, but he doesn't have to answer me. I can question, but he doesn't have to answer me. A lot of times he does. One, for my growth in him, and two, because he does love me. I'm going to step over here on my soapbox for just a second. Just right here. There are too many times that we equate the omnipresence, the omniscience of God and his... um, Omnipotence, he's all-knowing, all-being, everything. And the sovereignty of God, we give those traits to the enemy. We say, oh, Satan knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm doing. Oh, he's everywhere. Let me tell you this. Satan does not possess these qualities. 
He does not know what you're thinking. He is not everywhere that you think he is. Um, Eddie, you stole part of it when you gave the nugget. That little devil is not necessarily the devil on our shoulder. That's our flesh. Our flesh is going to get us into trouble quicker than any, any satanic influence on us. Our flesh is at war with the holiness of God that's in us. That's where, that's where you struggle, right? That's why we run to Jesus. That's why we run to God. Quit giving Satan the same powers as our God. My God is bigger than that. My God is the Almighty God. He's a big G, right? He is not a little G. So just stop. Just stop, right? Okay, I'll get off that and I'll come over here now. The sovereignty of God. When we settle this in our heart and in our spirit, in our life, we're going to be able to pursue the, in the total fullness an unbridled passionate pursuit. We're going to be able to pursue the who instead of the what, where, when, and why and how. When you understand sovereignty, when you understand who God is, that he is all-knowing, all-powerful, that he is holy, that he is merciful, that he is just, when you understand that who of who you're pursuing, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what you're doing. doesn't matter where you're going. doesn't matter how you get there. God's in control. God is in control. That understanding, that concept of sovereignty, and this is where the Lord's had me the past three months, y'all, and I pray that your revelation of it is a lot quicker than mine was. I'm a little stubborn sometimes, and I pray that you have an instant revelation of the sovereignty of the Lord in in your lives. When we understand the who of, of who we're pursuing, nothing else matters. And God's traits, these are not separate. You don't get just God's love. You don't get just him being all-knowing. He's a complete package. He's perfectly complete. Um, A.W. Tozer has this quote. says, if we take away any of the attributes of God, we do not weaken God, but we weaken the concept of God. When you try to play down the holiness of the Lord, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. God doesn't change. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy, regardless of what I believe. It's my concept, my understanding, my path that is affected. So again, I pray that you understand the who so that your concept of God is not weakened. I told you guys earlier that I, you know, taught for 30 years and they trained us to design the lessons backwards, right? That's the one I work with. I also worked on a team. Um, I was an exploratory team. I worked with other teachers that taught the electives in the middle school or high school. Um, And even though I was the only Spanish teacher, I still had a team with me, right? I had people to help. And there were two ladies in particular that had become lifelong friends with me. And we have been through births and marriages and weddings and deaths. We've just done life together for the past 27 years. Um, One of these ladies, she is kind of the lady that is going to make sure everybody's taken care of. She's our our mama of the group. 
And my other friend, she is the one that I love. I affectionately call her my tree hugger. And the Lord specifically put them in my life. One, so that I, you know, reinforce the concept of family. But two, I needed somebody to show me how to be more compassionate, how to look at it from a different angle and not just assume that everybody should know what I know, right? We're working together, and we've got a new principal one year. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I like this dude or not. It just so happens that my department chair, the one who's about family, happens to have a personal relationship with the principal, the new one coming in. Her and her husband, they've done brag, they've ridden bikes together, they've met each other. And so she has a personal relationship with the principal, and she says, hey, come here. Let me take you in here and let, let me introduce you to him. So she takes me to the principal office, and I sit down and I talk, and I get to know him, and he becomes one of my favorite principals. My other friend, she's like, can you imagine how he feels coming into this? He doesn't know anybody. He's coming into something new. He's coming into an established school already where the culture's here. How can we help him? And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So as I'm going through this and talking about how to access God, there's just one, one thing for sure is that we need help. We need help to access God, right? We need somebody to make an introduction for us. We need somebody to make that introduction. You know, you're not pursuing God on your own. The process of your pursuit is individual, but you're not alone in the process of your pursuit. Your pursuit, the process is going to look different than what it looks like for me, but you're not alone. You have others that are pursuing God just as well. When you begin this passionate pursuit, you have friends to help you, just like I had friends in the middle school when I was working. You have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our access to God. Jesus is the one that can take me or take us into the throne room because he ripped the veil when he died on the cross, died for our sins, shed the blood, was buried and rose again. That veil was ripped. We're able to go into the Holy of Holies because of Jesus. Just like I was able to go into the principal's office with my friend. She introduced me to the principal. Let Jesus introduce you to God. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this whole pursuit of God is going to sound foreign to you. You cannot complete your pursuit. You will not meet your objective without knowing Jesus. And the altars are always open. <laughs> they are always open. Access to God is possible only through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You will not be able to fully understand or to experience the fullness of God without accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. We have a second friend, and that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us that when he left, he's going to send a helper, a comforter, a guide, a connection to heaven. John 16, uh, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. 
but if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are critical to the process of the pursuit of God. They are critical. Without these two elements, your pursuit is in vain. Jesus provides the access, and he's still interceding for us. He's still saying, look, Daddy, they're doing it. They're go- Help them out. Can- what can we do? And they're invoking the Holy Spirit to show us, right? The Holy Spirit guides and directs and teaches us and reinforces that direct line to heaven created through Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary. The Holy Spirit helps us with decisions. He gives us discernment. He helps us when we're studying so the word becomes real. That concept of sovereignty becomes real to you. That's through assistance with the Holy Spirit. They are walking hand in hand with you. They want you to succeed. God wants you to succeed. He's the worst hide-and-seek player ever. He really is. Seek and you shall find. It's not seek and you might find. (laughs) Seek and you will find him. Please do not ignore the relationship with these two. Take the time to develop relationships with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, Sonia, a couple weeks ago, shared us with us the secret place. That's how you develop relationship is in the secret place. Um, Pastor Herman talked last week about being driven by love. That's how you develop relationship. You're driven by love. I cannot stress enough this next statement. The consistency and the intensity of your pursuit of God is directly correlated to the depth of your passion for God. The consistency and the intensity of your pursuit of God is directly correlated to the depth of your passion for God, which is directly affected by the depth of your intimate relationship with God himself. It's a full circle. The more you get to know God, the more passionate you're going to become and the deeper your relationship is going to be. And that relationship can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Again, the concept of pursuing God is not new. This has been going on since the fall in the Garden of Eden. And these two have been around a long time. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they know what they're doing. They have some experience with this. They understand our craziness of humanity. So what if we lived a life focused on existing in a relationship with God? Again, our end goal, passionate, intimate relationship with God. So what if? What if? You're not alone, so it's okay to try. What's the worst that's going to happen? Not going to be any worse off than you are now. <laughs> you can only improve, right? Remember, as you walk out your passionate pursuit of God, you will be changed. So don't be surprised. You're going to find yourself becoming more focused and more purposeful with times and energies. You may uh, be turning down events to go to so that you could spend time with the Lord. You may find yourself up here at the church for an extra prayer session during the week. Wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Your vocabulary is going to change. You're going to become more kingdom-minded. You're going to be talking in terms of kingdom and God. Your mindset's going to change. You're going to see things through God's lens. Your routines are going to change. Your environment's going to change. 
and your associations will change. The people you hang with are going to change. Change is not a bad thing. So the question is, what if? What if we lived a focus, a life focused on existing in a relationship with God? None of that is possible without relationship with Jesus Christ first. And I would be remiss if I stood here and said, let's move on. If you don't know Jesus or if you need to rededicate, please take the time today. Today is the day. Today is the day. If you find that you're needing an extra boost, that you and the Holy Spirit are kind of foggy and you need to have some lenses clean, he's here for you too. He's here for you too. I just want to encourage you. This is your lecture from your spiritual mom. Don't be afraid to pursue God. Don't be afraid to find out who he is. He's not afraid of us. He's not afraid of our sins. He, he's got that taken care of. Jesus took care of that a long time ago. God's not afraid of us. We shouldn't be afraid of him. Thank you, guys. Consider yourself lectured. Amen. Jeremy, put up that slide that says consistency for just a second, the one right before this. Yeah, yeah, you don't need any more proof on who's the smarter one in the relationship. Let me encourage you to take your phone out and take a picture of that. There's more in that statement right there than you may realize. I want to encourage you to uh, meditate on that throughout the week. Really think about what's being said just right there. Consistency is key. When we talk about becoming passionate pursuers of God, there are times where I think we are passionately pursuing God, but it's about becoming more consistent, right? It's about doing it in and out, not even having to think about it, but you eat, sleep, breathe, you, you do everything for that relationship with the Lord, and you can find out how passionate you are about the Lord based off of that relationship. So right here, that consistency and the intensity of which you pursue God is definitely related to your depth of passion, which is affected by the depth of your intimate relationship with God himself. Think about that. The depth. How deep does your relationship go? You know, we used to do uh, uh, the newlywed game. There used to be a game show on TV way back in the day. And then uh, at the church around Valentine's Day, we would uh, recreate that game. That's a dangerous game, just so you know. I, I don't know if you should play that at home. But it was basically how well do you know your spouse? And they would always have a couple on there that had been married for, you know, decades. And they'd always have a, a newly married couple there. And so the the answers were interesting, and it really did go to show how much they'd been concentrating on each other, focused on each other. And sometimes the couple that had been around each other for a long time and should have known what the answer was going to be didn't have a clue what the other one was thinking. And it just kind of proved that the depth of their relationship had just, I don't know, just hadn't gone deep. It had been surface level. And then that newly married couple was so in love with each other, they knew just about everything about each other right then. You know, it's that depth, and I'll tell you this too, as Tammy was speaking it's a consistency in us as well. How often are we pursuing that relationship? How often? If you, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right? You ever heard that? If you don't use it, you lose it. I want you to know, I had to take an oral exam to pass college Spanish, and I made a B-plus in that class, and I went in there and I spoke with the man, my professor, for 10 minutes. But I would not come try to speak Spanish to me now. I don't have a clue what you're saying. I learned it enough in the time, and I studied it, and I researched it, and I worked with it. And I pick up a word here and there, but I haven't used that since I got out of college. I'm married to a lady that's fluent in Spanish, and I still can't speak it. 
Why? Because I'm not using it. If you're not consistent about your relationship with the Lord, you're going to lose that intimacy. You're going to lose that closeness with him. That depth is not going to be there. I encourage you, like I said, to go back and just meditate on that saying right there. Just think about that saying right there uh, and, and figure out where your focus is. You've been listening to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.